Hi there. Welcome to the From Lab to Launch podcast by Qualio, where we share inspiring stories from the people on the front lines of life sciences. Tune in and leave inspired to bring your life-saving products to the world. Now let's get started with Robert, Qualio founder and CEO, and our show host. Dr. Hannah R. Solomon, MD, is the founder of Be Well Health and inventor of Nasopure, the most comfortable nose wash in the world. She graduated from the University of Missouri-Columbia School of Medicine in 1986 and completed the university's pediatric residency program in 1989. For 20 years, Dr. Hanna has practiced pediatrics at the Solomon Family Medical Clinic in Columbia, Missouri. Her articles have been published in the Wall Street Journal, Medscape's WebMD.com, About.com, Naturopathy Digest, and other health-related publications. Dr. Hanna started Be Well Health in January 2001. The company's flagship product, Dr. Hanna's NasoPure Nasal Wash Systems, have helped millions to maintain nasal and sinus health naturally. If you have a nose, you should check out this episode as Dr. Hanna talks about little things each of us can do to improve our health. Also, at the end, she kindly offers a coupon code to get a discount on her nose wash product. Dr. Hanna, really excited to have the chance to chat with you today. I appreciate you taking time out to uh, speak and tell us more about what, what you're working on. It, it means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Robert. I appreciate your time. I know we don't have an enormous amount of time today, and I could ask you questions, I think, for a couple of hours, but maybe just to kick off for the, for the audience here, could you tell us a bit about what you're working on at Be Well Health? Sure. I'm a trained pediatric doctor. And early in my career, I realized that most little kids were coming into the doctor with a snotty nose. Mm -hmm. Of course, the complaint was maybe an ear pain or sinus or a cough, but it always started with a snotty nose. And being an old hippie, before I went to med school, I knew about the neti, but I couldn't use the neti. And for those who don't know what the neti is, it's an ancient device that Buddhist monks have used for thousands of years. It's like a teapot and they put water in the teapot and they bend and twist and pour. And it's a great idea, but I couldn't do it. And I have a rule. Don't ask a two-year-old patient to do something that I myself cannot do. And I am a water wimp. So I went ahead and long story short, I found a system that was comfortable enough for me and comfortable enough for my two-year-old patients. And then I went to work and had the bottle manufactured in Missouri and had the kits assembled by adults with disabilities. And now my nose wash is available. Fascinating. I have used the the aforementioned product you said that's difficult to use, or I I should say I have attempted to use. So I appreciate any, any improvements. Before digging into the product, I have a lot of questions there. You said you were a hippie and then decided to go to med school, if I heard you correctly. I mean, what what drove that decision? Well, as an immigrant who was raised in the ghetto of Brooklyn by a single mom who didn't speak English, in the late 60s, I was working at the World Trade Center. It was still being built, but I was on the 60th floor and there was a little bomb scare and they evacuated us. And mm. in that moment of being crushed in on Wall Street with millions of people in the streets, I looked up to the sky and thought, what is my purpose in life? This uh-huh. is not it. I don't want to be a little rat. Who am I? So 
I did what every parent would pray that their child not do. And I hitched around the country. And then I eventually joined the largest spiritual commune called The Farm. And I was part of that commune for about four years. I worked really, really, really hard. I'm a hard worker. And after four years, it was very clear to me that I could not change the world by fishing for everybody. There will be some people who will never want to go fishing for themselves. And that I needed to empower myself so that I could move, so I could have more effect in making a positive change. So I left the farm and decided I should go to med school, but there was a small problem. Two kids, single mom, no money, no house, no car, no job. And my only clothes were tie-dyes and I had long braids. But I was a motivated woman. And within three years of that day, I completed four years of college and I started med school. And as a pediatrician, I didn't lose my heart and soul about, I became a doctor to first do no harm. And Mm -hmm. it was imperative to me to not just make it easy. And here, you want an antibiotic? Here's an antibiotic. Here's an, no, my practice was much more. Can I educate you? Let's talk about what you're eating, what you're exposed to, what your stresses are. How can we keep you well until the next year? Not here's a Band-Aid, here's a Band-Aid, here's a Band-Aid. So that's what got me started in this mission. Do you think that, so going along that path, you've had a, I won't say unique, but you had an unusual path, right, into medicine. And something that I often notice is that people who have had these unusual paths to where they are, it can often help people kind of create new associations or or be a little bit more willing to do something a bit different, like starting a business, like coming up with a product and saying this existing product kind of sucks or, you know, we can do better. Are there any, again, looking back to starting this company, are there there any moments where you saw that in, in your experience? Is the question, how did I get from being a hippie to a doctor to an entrepreneur? Yes, I think it's the entrepreneur question. Like, do you think your background being unusual helps you see the world differently in a way that you were, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm going to create something better. I've always listened to my own heart and soul and music. So I've never been shy and mm-hmm. I've always been an outgoing kind of person. I, I love selling. I love educating what I mean by selling is I love selling an idea, an informational thing so that folks could be more empowered. So it was sort of fun. I, you know, I just took a chance. You did. I must say, I must say when I first started, my colleagues thought I'd lost my mind. There were local articles about the hit, the, the, from it, one title was from commune to cash something, I don't know. It was, you know, sort of a degrading remark about this doctor who's opening a company. Yeah. Did that give you more fire or did that was that like a, a, a negative experience for you? Not negative. What trained me to sort of push back against that, no, 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 mm-hmm. was my experiences as a resident and a med student, yeah. as an older person and you know, some of my seniors were younger than I, but they'd never done their own laundry. 
and they'd never suffered in their life. Therefore, they weren't really equipped to be the teacher. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also means that I guess you'd already put in the long hours that it takes to start a business. You'd already done that before, so you weren't going to be surprised. What was the first thing you did when you you decided to go down that path? Like people often ask me and, and, and other people I know when you started a business, like how did you go from zero to here here is a product? Like here's okay. something that looks like you, it might work. Okay. So one Christmas when my clinic was closed for a week, I bought generic bottles, typed up my instructions that I had been telling patients for a long time. And I bought these tiny little Ziploc bags and I bought this high quality salt mix and I measured and I had maybe a hundred Ziploc bags with my homemade kits. And so for the next whatever, how many I had, for the next few patients that came in, I said, here's my instructions that I've been giving or you can buy this from me for a dollar. I was testing the convenience because I'd given them all the information on a piece of paper, but only some were going through the hassle of getting all the parts. When I was able to sell all of those, 100% of those folks used it, I started gathering data. I came up with questions and gathering data, retrospective data. And I saw that it felt right it felt yeah. revolutionary. It felt different than where the trend was going. Back then, there was a beginning discussion about antibiotic overabuse and bacterial resistance. So it felt like I was on the forefront. It was actually sort of yeah. fun. I, I think there's something more just pausing up for a moment there. And it's people look at broader healthcare and, you know, it can cost anywhere from not a lot to billions of dollars to create a healthcare product. And most people's first instinct typically is to, well, I got to do tons of research, but it's amazing. I think just to anchor on the fact you ran a small experiment that cost you some of your time and not a lot of dollars. I think that's just something really important to, to anchor because that's, that's where it all happens, right? The research is useful, but it's through doing that you really learn. Do people care? And I, I think in healthcare and in, in medicine and in practice going back, because I was a pharmacist for, for a period before, before quality was a thing. And when you give people instructions on, on like how to do something, that on its own is not enough. Often you need, it's how you package it together. And you, you're, what you're trying to solve for is all of the, the failure points. Like in the, in the doctor's office, you might give them some advice, but an hour later it's gone. So I think that's compliant. What you're saying, yeah. I agree. And it's yeah. been Compliance is greatly increased if you are able to give the patient all the information at that time. Yeah. Outside of that, running the experiment, any other big lessons learned over the past uh, number of years as you've been working on this? Anything you want to share to people who are maybe like you? We're working in healthcare, seeing problems, and they're trying to figure out, well, I think this might be this might be something. I think. I'd like to share that I personally believe that I've earned about three PhDs in stupid business mistakes. I tended to trust as a honest person, basically, and as a physician, the way I live my life is I show you my deck of cards, you show me your deck of cards, and together we figure out the best hand moving forward based on mm -hmm. your principles. 
And in business, you really have to have a poker face. And I don't really. And because in business, I thought I was still sharing all my cards. Mm -hmm. And I made many mistakes in that regard, but I've learned a lot. And it's been a fun experience, even though they've been expensive. Yeah. But, but the nice thing about every mistake I made was that I slept well at night. I was not the one that was immoral or misleading. Yeah. So that feels good. I, it must do. So maybe looking back at that, was there any one thing you could point to that was something you wish you'd done differently, that if you were starting again right now, you would approach a different way? I think I've always had the premise in my personal life not to borrow money. I only buy what I could afford. And in the business, being a pediatrician, uh, most folks know pediatricians make about as much as a nurse or less. And at least when I was practicing. And so I didn't, I don't have tons of money. Naturally, I didn't inherit it. I started late. I wasn't willing to borrow a lot of money from the bank. And so I paid for my mold for $30,000. And then when I accumulated some more cash, then I paid for my first batch of salt, which was several, several, you know, so I did it piecemeal. In retrospect, I wish I would have been a bit financially braver and taken a loan and did it bigger sooner. I, I can see that. Well, a lot of people probably fall on the other side. So I think if, if in doubt, it's best to be a bit more conservative, particularly at, at the early, early stages. But that, that's really interesting example for people. Did you come up against any regulatory hurdles or like, or is this something as a product offering you're just able to sell straight as a consumer product? Because that can add a lot of cost to complexity too if you get your market as like a medical device. So we are ISO certified. That takes an enormous amount of money and paperwork. Um, we, this is a medical device. This NasoPure bottle is a medical device recorded with the FDA. That's not something they approve or it's just recorded there. When I first got started and I went to some uh, lawyers to protect the intellectual property, the largest mistake I made was my first lawyer suggested that I apply for a design patent instead of a utility patent. And by the time I learned that that was a grave error, it was too late. And the other thing is that he never told me when you patent a bottle or a patent something, you have 12 months to apply for international patents at the same time. Interesting. If, if you miss that deadline, too bad, so sad. Yeah. What I was lucky to do, I have trademarks and I've written a book. And what I was lucky enough to do was after the design patent, I added some actual images to the bottle that make, gives you water lines. And I was able to get a utility patent for that. Interesting. Can and we see it a bit closer? It's a super interesting design. So you, you created the mold for that all yourself. And those lines are where your water needs to be so that you're flushing 
along the nasal floor, we breathe 10,000 liters of air every day. We make a pint to a quart of mucus per day, like you are swallowing some right now. I can, see, I can tell you're swallowing some mucus. So when you're washing with a nasopure, you're washing along the nasal floor. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like you're drowning or choking or your head is filled with water. And you're actually cleaning the sinus opening, vacuuming the sinus, makes a U-turn and the garbage comes out the other side. So it, it, it's a different delivery system. Yeah. Well, what's the top indication that people should know about if they're interested in, in trying it out? If you have a nose and you're over two years old, if you have any nasal issues, just mm-hmm. like if you had a cut on your knee, what would you do first? You'd wash it. And mm-hmm. most likely you wouldn't need to do anything else. I suggest if you have any nasal issues, begin by washing it. If you want me to go down the list, uh, Nasopure Hypertonic Buffer removes 80% of the allergens. So if you have allergies, wash your nose. You use Big less long. snoring. A hypertonic buffer has been shown to make an environment inha- uninhabitable for bacteria and virus to live. How common sense is that? Yeah. You your nose, you're washing the germs out. Hello. It shrinks the swollen membranes. It thins the thick, sticky snot. It augments healing. And, and where can people find the, the nasal pure right now? It's on Amazon. Is that one of the best places or your website? That works. I understand we have a special. It's Q Nasal Pure for 10% off. Exactly. And that works on Amazon, right? So it's like capital Q, capital N, nasal pure. I think we'll add that to the show notes as well. Yeah, that, that's epic. Thank you for sharing that. I think I might be one of the first on the list to try one out. Here's what I ask. Please read my instructions. And then I ask you, please follow my instructions. And if there's any questions, call me. I'll FaceTime with anybody while they're in the bathroom. I've never met someone who cannot wash their nose. As a former pharmacist, the concept of reading instructions of use on, on healthcare products and medications is a, it's a big one. Please, please, everybody do that. If there's one takeaway you take from this entire episode, uh, follow the instructions, please, and call a professional if you feel like deviating. Dr. Hanna, I think we might be coming up to the end of our time here. I will share that coupon and note in the show notes on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much again for, for taking the time. I'm excited to keep following your story. Thank you so much. Good luck. And let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From Lab to Launch, brought to you by Qualio. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give the show a positive review. It really helps us out. For more information about Qualio, our guest today, or to be a guest on a future episode, please refer to the show notes. Until next time.